Welcome back to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans, which you can now get on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. From San Francisco, I'm your host, Zach Moore. This morning, I'm very happy to be joined in the Eastern Time Zone by Chad and Matt. We are not trained media professionals. We are not former players or coaches. We do not have access to current Ohio State players and coaches. We are Ohio State alums, rabid Buckeye fans, observers from afar who love talking Buckeye football. And we hope you'll enjoy this free-flowing conversation this morning about Ohio State's 48-7 demolition of the Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, just last night in Lincoln. I just want to mention a few numbers to put this game into context, then we'll go around the horn to get some initial impressions. Last night was Ohio State's fourth straight victory of 40 points or more. That ties the 1974 Buckeyes for the longest streak of 40-point wins by any Big Ten team since the end of World War I. Wow. Uh, Credit to Jason Starrett of The Athletic for that little factoid. Now through five games, Ohio State has outscored its opponents 262-43. to Whoa. Among the notable national analysts who are fully on board the Ohio State bandwagon are ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet and the Athletics' Stuart Mandel, who have both elevated the Buckeyes to number one in their power rankings. Last night, Ohio State was led by emerging star Justin Fields, who in just over three quarters of action finished 15 of 21 for 212 yards and three passing touchdowns. And we also saw Fields unleashed as a runner for the first time this season, as he finished with 95 yards on 12 carries and a touchdown. Uh, J.K. Dobbins shredded the Nebraska defense for 177 yards and 24 carries in only three quarters of action. Uh, At receiver, the Buckeyes were led by senior Austin Mack, who finished with 66 yards on three receptions. Mack had two big plays last night that had been making the rounds on Twitter. He put a Nebraska defensive uh, back on skates on a go route early in the game that went for 38 yards. Then late in the second quarter, Mack caught an 18-yard TD pass on a perfect throw from Fields, wrestling the ball away from a Nebraska defender in the back of the end zone. It was, it was quite a catch. On defense, Ohio State limited Nebraska's high-powered offense to a paltry 231 yards of total offense. The Silver Bullets finished with 11 tackles for loss, four sacks, and three interceptions, two from Jeffrey Okuda, who, in my opinion, is now a legitimate Thorpe Award candidate. And while he was credited with only one sack, Chase Young was a menace, harassing Adrian Martinez all night long. Uh, Linebackers Malik Harrison and Baron Browning led the Buckeyes in tackles with seven apiece. It was actually nice to see linebackers leading Ohio State in tackles instead of uh, defensive backs. That's quite refreshing. So to get us started with some initial impressions, I'm going to go, I'm going to read this uh, text I have here from our compatriot, Tim, who who had some family obligations this morning and, and couldn't be with us. Tim says... Great performance, but too much talk about Ohio State being the number one team in the country and too much national title talk. Let's slow down, he says. As Tim has mentioned before on previous pods, Ohio State is doing what it should be doing versus teams like Nebraska and Cincy and Indiana, which are mid-level teams in his opinion. Ohio State is elite. 48-7 is very good, Tim says, and it's a good step forward. But he doesn't like the leaps from the broader press, including uh, Kirk Herbstreit, saying that Ohio State is the number one team in the country. Um, In Tim's opinion, we should slow our roll a little bit. Uh, And he says that we should should wait until we see how Ohio State looks against the likes of Wisconsin and Penn State before we uh, we get too excited. Okay, with all that out of the way, uh, Chad, I'm going to kick it to you because you pretty much nailed the score uh, prediction for this one. 47 to 7, I think, was your prediction. So why don't you get us started with some initial impressions? Hey guys, good morning. Good to be on. Good you. morning. Two this morning. Hey, Salona, what's up? So I just want to, you know, allude to real quick to Debbie Downer's text, uh, Tim. And I, <laughs> I, although I do agree with him, but I was, you know, pretty stoked and excited this morning. But you know, I do, uh, I agree with him. Um, as excited as I am, you know, a lot of this horn blowing is making me a little nervous. But uh, you know, I think the only team that we have to worry about moving forward is ourselves so as i've mentioned and you know we got the new sheriff in town ryan day man i I really i really like his play calling 
Uh, put together the best staff in college football, is, in my opinion. Um, I just feel like the defense finally – it's a shame, you know, that we didn't have, uh, you know, Bill, that Bill Davis was still our linebackers coach. Chiano mm. nuts. Like, do you imagine, like, it's so refreshing to see Browning, who I love. I mean, he came out of one of, you know, the top-rated linebacker in the country. And, you know, he led the team with tackles, you know, last night with Malik Harrison, and that's just, it's so refreshing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm really just impressed with, like, you know, the, the offense and, and like you, I think you'd mentioned this earlier, but that move that Matt put on that kid was just insane. Yeah. And Victor had a great catch. I mean, Olave had a couple nice catches fields. I, I think his arm is as impressive as his feet, to be honest with you. I mean, he's got just such nice toys. It's, it's so great to see mm-hmm. our offensive line. I haven't seen an offensive line. I don't think, I mean, it's good. Um, you know, maybe one other in my in my lifetime as a, a big time Buckeye fan, but uh, I'm just excited about the whole thing. Like you know, Kuda, he is like you said, he is definitely for the Thorpe Award. And but uh, I just I think we're hitting on all cylinders. You know, obviously we just got to. Uh, I think Dave's going to keep keep him level headed and not let the media hype get to him. Um, and you know, I think I've said this a couple times before, but you know, as much as I did like Urban, you know, I, I'll take Day any. Any day of the week, but uh, I don't think he's going to let us have a, a letdown game. But uh, overall, like grade for the team, I mean, it's got to be an A, like all around. Yeah, you know, offensive line, offense, defense. I mean, it's good. And Dobbins is a beast. And I'll tell you what, the future is so bright with Mister Master Tig. That kid is a beast. He just runs through people, you and it's great. so nice to see. Yeah, he looked he great. Did, so. Excellent. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty pretty stoked about that uh, 47-7 uh, prediction. I know uh, we're going to do some our Wednesday night cast. We did a little bit of a couple predictions for uh, the listeners of uh, the South Stands, but uh, I got you one or two. I picked the uh, Clemson uh, North Carolina game, but I had Virginia in the other game. Nice, uh, although they should have covered. But uh, but yeah, so all right, I'm, I'm excited, man. Great. Excellent. Good take. Matt, what did you see last night that stood out? First of all, that was a lot of congratulations going around. <laughs> I didn't think I'd get a parade this early in the morning. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Plum Dog. Um, you know what? The, <laughs> but you know what? Uh, the game before ours was Clemson and North Carolina with the number one team. So making that transitions from that game to what we saw later, especially the two quarters of our ball that came after that, I could see how people can get that perception. Uh, and honestly, like that, you can't have uh, two quarters of ball that we played uh, thirty-eight. You know, going to halftime thirty-eight nothing. I mean, that's like a Buckeyes wet dream. I mean, you're just <laughs> the defense, the offense, all working on all cylinders. Uh, I guess Akuda listened to my suggestion and had got a new pregame routine because he came out firing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> you did I, make that call, Flutter. The the thing that I wonder about, and this to Tim's point, is that that was two quarters of perfect football. Can they do that for four quarters? At least that level of intensity mm-hmm. uh, and the less that, that type of focus, that type of play. The play calling was like I gave up trying to predict what was coming next because yeah. they were doing such a good job mixing it up oh yeah uh the thing that impressed me the most that someone who with as much uh, experience he is and you know he's a sophomore so take that a grain of salt is that he looked unsettled quickly like uh, that second series he just his things off the back foot he was moving throwing unassured, like not assured passes that and it wasn't until that scoring drive that he looked like he knew what he was doing out there. And I think that was only because he ran off that that long run for, I forget how much it w- was, but um, we just looked really strong. Um, I am uh, impressed by Fields even more. He did an excellent job. Uh, a lobby who came in, uh, that was, you know, there was a concern with a lot of the people being out. Yeah. And they stood up. And I, I got to say, uh, as much as I like Orland as a leader, I think the future is Browning and Harrison. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. They just looked 
infinitely quicker. They got to the ball faster. Even when they went the wrong direction, they were able to cover quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, I mean, dude, J.K. Dobbins could end up being the second leading rusher in Ohio State history. He went for 107, a quiet 107, 177 yards. Yeah. Uh, and could have got a lot more. I, you know, he got taken out of the game after the third quarter, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, so he's like number 10 all time. And, you know, t- whether you like those things or not, it's impressive if he moves past like Eddie George as a second leading rusher in history. So I think that you saw a complete team. You saw a great game plan. What heartened me afterwards, like Halfley talking about not the team, they shouldn't have scored that seven. He was he was ticked off about that, and that's what <laughs> kind of response you want your, your coaches to be. Because I agree with Chad, you know, Day, uh, he looks like, a, you know, just a sniper, man. He's just, he's ruthless, and he's got this team with a, 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 a not an arrogance, but a confidence that is translating on the field. Yeah, I, I would agree with all that. Um, I said a couple of podcasts ago, and this was after the Indiana performance, that Ohio State was starting to show the markings of a title contending team. And, and they've only, um, uh, those stripes have only continued to, uh, to come out. I'm only getting more and more evidence that that's what this team is. Um, you mentioned, uh, Matt, that uh, you were, it got to a point offensively where it was very difficult to, to know what was coming from the Ohio State offense. And there was a moment in the broadcast, which I thought was really, um, uh, which I thought was really illuminating, Kirk Herbstreet went through four or five different, uh, he, uh, four or five different. He illustrated four or five different formations that Ohio State had come out in. I think it was like maybe yeah, it was like five, and he was showing just the versatility and and the variance of all these different formations. Ohio State was showing Nebraska two tight end sets, five receiver sets. Uh, there was a play. I think it was in the second scoring drive. Ohio State second scoring drive in the game. It was third and long. And it was just a very simple movement where they had the tight end, one of the tight ends go in motion, and that brought the safety to the other side of the field, which cleared the entire right side of the field for for Fields to just take off and run right at the snap and get an easy 12, 13 yards on third and 10. And, and of course, Herb Street went nuts after that play, breaking it down. And it's little things like that. Ohio State just seems to, to, to scheme up opponents now more than they did in the latter years of the Urban Meyer regime. Um, and that's that's very refreshing. I, I think the first few years of the Meyer regime, you saw a lot more of that. He had Tom Herman as a young star offensive coordinator. And then there was right. a lull there between 16 and 18 where Ohio State came into games like this against opponents like Nebraska and relied over, they were overly reliant on their talent, it seemed, and they weren't scheming quite as much. So that that's one thing that stood out to me in the game yesterday was just the variety of formations the very quick adjustments to what Nebraska was doing, especially on the defensive side, you saw Nebraska uh, go old school Nebraska uh, with a kind of a, a triple option look on several plays, and, and they started to move the ball on their second or third possession of the game and got down into the red zone. Ohio State adjusted very quickly to that. So that's really one of the things that stood out to me. To go along with their immense talent, they now uh, really scheme up their opponents and do things to really kind of to confuse their opponents, which just makes them lethal. It makes them so dangerous when you don't know what's coming and you're dealing with, you know, a, a, a reserve of ridic- ridic- ridiculous talent. Um, I wanted to, to spend a little time uh, getting your guys' impressions of just the overall improvement of the defense. We touched on it a little bit, but I honestly thought that this game would be a test, at least for the defense, I thought this Nebraska offense had what it take to really push the Ohio State defense. And um, they held uh, Adrian Martinez to 47 yards passing, eight completions for 47 yards passing, three interceptions. They sacked him four times. It, it was not a test. Chad, you're the only one of us that saw this coming, apparently, with with your prediction. But... Um, what what did you guys make of what you saw out of the defense last night, Chad? Do you have any any observations of, about that? Well, yeah, I do. And, and one thing that is just such a, a breath of fresh air from the last couple of years is you've got you know Madison 
Al Washington and, and uh, Hayfleet, but they're just letting these kids, these five-star, four- and five-star athletes that have speed chase the ball as yeah. opposed to trying to do this bullshit like NFL defense, you know, like Shiano was trying to put in. And, and you're seeing it, like, you know, Browning. I mean, could you imagine, like, if he would have been, like, in this system, like, when he first came in, what he would be now? I mean, mm-hmm. probably he'd be in the NFL already. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's so nice to see, like, you know, we have got your defensive line you know, with some players out. They're, they're attacking the ball. I mean, Pete Werner last night had one of the best hits I've seen this season. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you guys recall seeing oh, that. I do. I do. That oh, yeah. Off. Oh, man. On Wandale <laughs> Robinson, yeah. Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that one hit that Akuda, uh, where he took out the legs, uh, at, that was beautiful. Uh, Washington, and he was limping off the field. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it, it's just it's, it's so great to see him just like using their their speed to just chase the ball down, and it, it's it's great. Yeah, um, that was part of Ryan Day's I'm promise. Excited. Yeah, Ryan Day had promised when he when he took the job that they would simplify the defense so their players could play fast and they wouldn't have to think too much. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing, to your point. And in the case of, um, in the case of uh, Browning, uh, I think two things are happening. You've got a simpler scheme that's allowing him to just use his athleticism and not think too much. But he's got a better, posi- a, a better position coach, let's face it, right? And I think you made reference to right. Bill Davis, uh, you know, who was the bartender at uh, Urban Meyer's wedding or whatever his, his relationship was to Urban Meyer versus Al Washington now. Clearly, Browning is getting the tutelage he needs at the, you know, the finer points of his position, and he's also playing in a scheme that allows him to just react and, and not think too much. Matt, what, what else did you see from the defense? I mean, to me, this defense, the thing that's the biggest that I notice is a couple of things. One is that they make great adjustments. Mm-hmm. They, what I've seen is that it's almost like they relish, like the, the coaching staff relishes that when their team is being challenged, that they can think of schemes that they can make things uh, like almost like an anaconda-ish, you know, <laughs> kind of pre- pressure that just kind of squeezes them. I mean, you look at the, the first half, they had uh, six first downs, and I think three of them were only in one drive. Yeah. Uh, and I was reading on uh, 11 Warriors, you know, these, their first seven first half possessions were an interception, three and out, an interception, an interception, three and out, three and out, and three and out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> dude, you cannot get more, you can't get more, you know, that's just, that. I mean, that's what you I mean, you can't have a stronger or more stifling defense. And when you have a stifling defense and an offense that likes to that likes to score points, defense gets the rest, offense gets to do their thing, and that's mm-hmm. going to wear down the opposing team's defense uh, significantly. Um, uh, so, like, seeing that, uh, you know, that's the biggest difference. I think that they, they have had the talent in the past, but they have found at least the position coaches who know really how to – to harness the talent of these guys and then make it to where they can apply it toward a scheme or a strategy that really makes it effective. Now we'll see it when they go up against like talented offenses, but gosh, yeah. I, you can't, you know, it's just, you know, it is, it, it's, you, you, you had to have a grin every time the defense comes out and usually it's the other way around. You're like looking forward to the O coming out, but I look forward when the D gets on the field. Cause it's like, you got so many players up there. You could do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to see them challenge to see how they react to it. And so far, they've been reacting uh, really well. It's been really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I thought going into this game that Adrian Martinez would be the best quarterback they'd face during the regular season. And th- and I think that still could be the case. Um, I, I You know, you mentioned like talent on offense. I don't know where that's going to come in the regular season. I, I don't know that there is an offense in the Big Ten that's going to present Matt. like talent to challenge that defense. I was listening a little bit to mm-hmm. the uh, Cleveland.com Buckeye Talk pod this morning just to kind of get a sense of what, what, what their takeaways were. And the question came up from one of their users, one of their listeners was, what unit is better now? Is it the defense or is it the offense? And I thought that was very interesting. Um, why don't I get your guys' take on that? What, which of those two units do you think is better right now? Chad, what do you think? I, 
you know what? It's hard to say, man. I, I mean, as electrifying as our offense is, which it, it's so refreshing. I think Slaughter said something about this earlier, um, about predictability. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. over the last, like, you know, three years, like, we'd be on our text thread and, you know, I mean, there's been many times where, you know, Sloaner or somebody would predict, oh, well, you know, they're going to try to, you know, run Barrett around the field or whatever. That That's not, no, we have so many different plays that Day has, like, you know, introduced into this offense mm-hmm. that, like, it's just, you know, it, everybody's guessing, like, what are they going to do? I mean, you know, we've got our receiving core is just, it's it's sick. You know, you've got uh, that offensive line, which is just a mm-hmm. moving people out of the way. Yes, they are. And, yes, they you know, are. Running game, but then when when a play, if a play breaks down, Fields has the speed. I mean, like when he like he just gallops up the field, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's just, it's crazy. But you know, then on our defense, man, it's just so like you know, I've said it many times. It's so refreshing to see how they're playing now. So you know, I, I I'll be honest with you, Z. I don't know that I can say which I think is better. Mm-hmm. I think we've got a nice balance, and uh, that's that's pretty much the way I, I see it. But also, uh, before we get to Sloaner, our buddy uh, Paige wanted to uh, tell everybody he uh, was out till about 4.30 this morning, so uh, he was unable to join us. <laughs> But uh, he said he'll be back on Wednesday. Yeah, that yeah. that was probably the uh, after I talked to him last night. Probably the the easiest thing you could predict from yesterday's action was that Paige would be unavailable for the podcast today. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but that fan issues. That's only two. That's only two a.m. Mountain time, so that doesn't really make it that impressive overall. Yeah, exactly. So, so Matt, if given the choice between the two, who would you go? Which unit do you think is the better of the two right now? <laughs> the defense. Here's the only reason why. When we would watch Ohio State in the last couple of years, we just basically needed our offense to do better mm-hmm. than their offense because our defense was hit or miss. And um, we haven't really played a good defensive team. Mm-hmm. We have played teams that have been primarily uh, known for their offense. That's a good point. And, and to shut teams down and keep no team, I don't think no one's gone over 20, right? Uh, I think yeah. Well, we got uh, Florida Atlantic did. Uh, I don't have the the score. I think they had twenty one oh, right. or in in the neighborhood okay. of twenty one. I don't have the score in front of me. Okay, but, but you know. So and, yeah, but we have what one hundred and seventeen. Yeah, uh, you know whatever. <laughs> um, but um, the defense and how we have not had to rely on the offense to win the game. Yeah, like the defense. The defense on the whole is winning it for us in my mind because they're just being such having such an impact and having such a crushing effect on the team's offensive uh, strategy, the offensive team strategies mm-hmm. that are coming at them, that I, I, I've, it makes watching them much more enjoyable, mm-hmm. but also much more, re- much more relaxing. Because yeah. I'm, wonder- I'm, I'm not wondering about anything coming out in the late minute. They're going to apply the pressure and possibly get a turnover. They've been doing really well at that. Yeah, yeah. So the, you're right. The defense has been the difference this year as compared to last, and that's why this this team is now being is almost kind of a consensus number one team in the country, that, depending on which expert you speak to. But it, it sounds like all of them, uh, certainly anyone whose opinion really matters, seems to be in agreement that Ohio State is the best team in the country right now, and it's largely because uh, the defense. Um, uh, one of the guys on the Cleveland uh, on the Cleveland pod. Uh, said that he felt the defense was better because they have two uh, elite players uh, in in Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda, um, and that in his mind is is the difference. You got two guys that are probably going to be top ten picks in the NFL draft, which I thought was an interesting point. Um, it's just a fun talking point. I don't know what I would what I would say either. I guess I'd lean a little bit more toward the defense because they have been the difference maker this year, but. Um, uh, yeah, it has been very refreshing to watch, and uh, I, I think they're only going to get better, uh, which is a which is a scary thought. Yeah, um, <laughs> love it. Um, I wanted to um, spend a little time talking about that offensive line, and I, I wanted to try and put some historical context on it, if we could. Uh, I said I thought a couple a couple of weeks ago I thought the offensive line, uh, and and again they were down one starter 
yesterday, as you guys both know, uh, Matt, I believe it was you who mentioned that Josh Allaby had to move into right uh, at right tackle um, last night, and they still looked as dominant as they have all year. This line looks like the type of offensive lines we had circa 2013 through 2015. Yeah. Uh, maybe going back to the Orlando Pace offensive lines of the mid mid to late 90s, the 95-96 lines, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing incredible push. Um, there were several plays. I, I, I didn't have the time to pull out my camera and take a video of it uh, while I was watching, but there, was, there were several short yardage plays where the push was so immense that, that the ball carrier, whether it be Dobbins or Teague, uh, was, was able to easily convert. Uh, they weren't even touched for two or three yards because the push was so immense. Um, I, I think we've got the makings of, of an elite offensive line, and certainly that's the difference between a championship-level team and, and you know, kind of just a Big Ten contending team. What are you guys seeing out of the offensive line? Chad, why don't I, why don't I start with you? What, what do you see? I see depth, like you had mentioned earlier, that like we haven't seen in a long time, man. Mm-hmm. I bet Josh Myers is he's he's a beast. Wyatt Davis, like you know, he came out of you know a five star recruit, and then it's just it's it's, it's great to see these guys moving people off mm-hmm. the line. Um, and you know, Nebraska, yeah, they had some big boys on that defensive line, and you know they were pushing people off. And one thing that I'm so excited for is the the depth that we have there. And you've got guys like Harry Miller, you know, who's a, a freshman that could play center right now. And That's right. They're, 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 you're talking about putting like him being the starter at center next year and moving Myers over to you know, like right guard. Um, but, you know, the, the depth, it's just great to see, you know, Fields has a lot of time back there. Um and they're, they're creating holes, pushing people off the line. It's, it's so good. Yeah. You know, and one thing I did, like, no, I, none of us have really talked about. I, I could be wrong on this, but I think we only had one penalty in the first half. Is oh, that, that's a good I, point. That's I mean, that is huge, yeah. man. That's, yeah. That's, you know, but in the last couple of years, there's been so many, like, false starts mm-hmm. and all that bullshit, and it just, like, I think we had one. That, that, that's big. Man. I, I'm glad you brought we that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Chad. Ohio State so. finished last night uh, with only two penalties for 25 yards. Uh, one of them was that's on insane. that first that first possession uh, with um, yeah, uh, where Harrison was flagged for a late hit out of bounds, um, which I actually didn't mind so much because to me I felt like that 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 to me said Ohio State was coming out with a nasty disposition, which yeah. I, which you need to have. Um, to your point about the depth, Chad. I mean, uh, you know, Brandon Bowen was unavailable last night at right tackle, and really Ohio State had two legitimate options to replace Bowen. Uh, Nicholas Pettit-Ferrer, yeah. who's a young guy. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman. So he's going to be a beast. He yep. is going to be a beast. Uh, and and they, were, they were neck and neck for that right tackle spot during fall camp, and, and Bowen edged him out. But they decided to go with the veteran Alibi last night, and he was great. Uh, so to me, yeah, that just speaks. Up, man. He did the the ridiculous depth of talent that they have along the offensive line, and you could sense that from the coaching staff during fall camp. They had a quiet confidence about the line. You could sense it that they they knew they had something special. Matt, you were going to make a, a comment about the offensive line. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, first half, two hundred thirty yards rushing, seven point nine for pop, man. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I mean that's amazing. So what you know. Just optically, and I know that's that's a very annoying sounding word, but I'm going to use it because I'm in an annoying sounding mode. <laughs> is that um, they looked poor, and I, I think this is tied into Chad's point about the the penalties. It's the poise. They look poised. Mm-hmm. They're execute. They're executing. Yeah. When you put po- poise and you're sticking to your plan and doing what you're you're tasked with, you're not going to have penalties, and you're going to have a runner who's going to be able to hit the pocket and go for. Seven, eight, ten, fifteen yards. Yeah. Uh, the inconsistencies of the pass, the irregularities in execution, or you know, we'd get that penalty, and the guy would be like, "Oh, me, me." These guys know what they're doing out there because it seems like it's been drilled into them what they're each are supposed to be doing. So I think that sort Good of discipline. I think, thanks, buddy. I think that sort of discipline 
is is a is apparent, and I hopefully yeah. that gets that gets nurtured and developed even th- further because we're going to need it going into games and the uh, tougher games against defenses that are are a lot more physical, a lot more experienced, and mm-hmm. have as much ta- and have as much talent. Yeah, starting next week at, with Michigan State, we know they're going to bring a good defense into the shoe. Yeah, the attention to detail yeah. and the discipline this year is is notable. Um, as I said. Two penalties for only 25 yards, no turnovers. Justin Fields has yet to throw an interception this season through five games. Really only one meaningful turnover uh, by the Buckeyes, which was in the opener that J.K. Dobbins uh, fumbled in that game that set up a field goal for FAU. But that's it through five games. And, and uh, yeah, Matt, I just, uh, Matt, I wanted to make a, a, a comment about uh, the optics. Actually, uh, optics are important in college football. And, and I, I don't find that annoying that you said that at all because that's what the college football that's what <laughs> that that's what the college football committee uh, the playoff committee has been using for the last couple of years really at the end of the day it, it's all optics it's all eye that's test true. Uh, in my opinion so optics yep. are very important it's not just the fact that Ohio State's winning these games it's the way they're doing it the dominant fashion that they're doing Dominating. it Day knows that you know as a program they know that. You know, this is a team that missed the playoffs barely each of the last two years. They were just on the outside looking in. And you can see they they know, they understand how it has to be different this year, starting with the little things, penalties, turnovers, and then thorough domination of their opponents. Uh, because uh, certainly uh, in the eye test, they're, they're passing with flying colors right now. Uh, Gee, yeah, go I ahead, give, Chad. I, I, wanted, I just want to just give some props, and I, and I have not mentioned him yet this year because I know last year a lot of people were like, you know, down on stud, you know, our offensive line coach. And I'd like to give him some kudos, man, because he's, he's recruiting like, like, you know, he's he's bringing kids in here and this offense, it's, 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 it's it's fabulous, man. So I just wanted to just give him a quick shout out, give him some props, man, because I feel like stud, I'm, I'm glad that, they kept him on the staff. Obviously, he saw something in him. So I just yeah. want to give him a quick shout out. So nice, but, uh, nice one, Chad. Well, you know, so he missed on a. And Chad, you follow recruiting a little bit more closely than I do, and uh, and are tuned in a little bit more to that. But if I'm not mistaken, Stud had a couple of of, of misses, recruiting misses, guys that you know, kids decided to go elsewhere. Maybe Jackson Carmen is one player that comes to mind. Yeah. Right? The kid that went to Clemson, and Stud took a yeah, lot of heat I, for that. Right, he he took a lot of heat for not securing a couple of these these recruits but in terms of what he's done as a position coach I think he you're right he's done a hell of a job this year he patched together a pretty solid offensive line late in the year last year too remember Josh Allaby had to start in the Rose Bowl uh, at left tackle and uh, yeah I thought he did a pretty good job you're right man Uh, he's turned out to maybe be an underrated uh, coach on that staff yep yep um, so, all right. Um, I wanted to, to 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 talk a little bit more, and we we talked about this in last week's pod, but it came up again uh, last night, which was the play of the wide receivers, and um, there were two notable catches. Uh, well, more than just two, but the two that really stood out to me. And I mentioned Austin Max touchdown catch in the back of the end zone at the end of the second half. He caught, he wrestled that ball away from a defensive back that was draped all over him, and then uh, and then we saw uh, a late touchdown. Uh, I guess it would was was it a third quarter touchdown by uh, Garrett Wilson in the back of the end zone again. Both throw, balls were thrown perfectly by Fields, but the concentration uh, and the ability to catch balls that are thrown in tight windows. Guys, uh, they're both contested throws. Wilson catches that ball with, what did he have, like six inches to get his feet down in the back of the end zone? And he, <laughs> he, he got like two or three steps in before he went out of bounds. Uh, we talked about Brian Hartline as the, as the receiver's coach. And you can see uh, what the wide receivers are doing now as compared to just a couple years ago. They're going up competing for the football. They're getting separation. They're running clean routes. They're not dropping footballs. I mean, I can't remember the last time one of our receivers had a drop, and I've just been so impressed with the improved play of the receivers. Um, Matt, what are you seeing out of the wide receivers this year? Uh, you know, we t- it's ex- oh, go ahead, Chad. No, you go ahead, Sonner. Sorry. Oh, thanks, buddy. 
Um, so what I, I think it's what, uh, you know, I kind of talked about last, I think it's just, and it kind of, it's gone for every position is that they've been focusing on details that are, uh, maybe tangential or, uh, things that can auxiliary skills that they could bring in Mm -hmm. that's helping them with their core play, like with the hand eye coordination drills for throwing the tennis ball. I just think these guys have a more of a, an awareness and ability to make quick second decisions and be able to catch the ball with a lot going on around them. And Mm -hmm. I think they've, that's been drilled into them, but I, you know, you can only do like talent, is only so good, and especially at this level. It could do something against the, the Miami of Ohio's and uh, Kent State's. Like you can, <laughs> but like when you get up against elite defenders and elite defenses, and actually, if you're being target, like if you they're focusing on you as a as a source of um, you know the for you know as a playmaker source, like you have to do something above that. Mm-hmm. And I th- think these guys have been using their talents and building off of it with skills that are making them very difficult to guard. Mm-hmm. And if you have a quarterback who can hit, hit them in tight spots, like, I mean, how many of you like were like almost, you know, weeping when you saw that Wilson catch and that throw oh catch? Uh, I it, mean, it, dude, and he ran into that wall too, and it's just like and didn't drop the ball. Yeah, you know, and I, <laughs> and so it was, you know, you see that these guys. The route running, the catching, you know, the concentration, everything's a lot higher. Uh, you know, they seem to be mentally welcoming challenges. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, throw throw in a throw this in a tight spot. Okay, throw this over my shoulder. Okay, throw this in the middle of the pack, and going after it and making the play, uh, and that kind of zest for the ball and making plays. I think who was a. The uh, triple distilled smooth Jameson even said to the guys <laughs> last, like in the field, like he told everyone, I read this, he told everyone, I get the ball, I'm taking it to the house. And those guys were laughing at him. And then, you know, last week you got the ball and you took it to the house. <laughs> I think, but that's that kind of confidence is more, is less arrogance because these guys are working their tail off with, uh, um, you know, with the with the receipt of Heartline, so it's you know I, that's what I see. I think it's like these guys are snipers out there. They're they're everyone is breathing how the coaches kind of portraying us. Like mm-hmm. we we should have a chip on our shoulder. You guys are talent only takes you guys so far. If you want to, if you want the ultimate prize, you got to do the ultimate sacrifice and practice and practice and practice. You know, and they everyone's doing the work so far. So yeah. it. Uh, they if they if they stop if they you know if they cut the cable so no one can watch ESPN and no Wi-Fi so they don't have to read their own press clips I think you know they need to keep that chip on their shoulder to help them both in the practice field but also on the field yeah yeah Chad what are you seeing from the wide receivers well I, I you know and, and, and sorry Sloan I was uh, interjecting there on there and I guess I just got to get a little excited about this receiving core so uh, I apologize again there but. It's That's receiving right. core is it's Heartline. Like I, I think I said this last week, and I think you know we've all alluded to it. But Heartline is the man. I, I love that guy. And what's so nice to see is that we're. I feel like in the, like a, the past two or three years, you know, there's been like one or two receivers that I feel like we're, you know, always throwing to like McLaren and you know and so forth. But we're spreading the ball around like Victor Max. Olave, Garrett Wilson, you know, these guys, like, we're just spreading the ball around, and it's so nice to see. Mm. And, you know, I didn't mention anything about it, like, earlier, but Garrett Wilson, man, that kid is special. And uh, and my uh, boy, DeMario, <laughs> he got the call last night that uh, he will not be returning any more punts. Yeah. I think we're going to see number five back there. I but, hope so. They, they're like Sloaner, like Sloaner said. I mean, they're running precise routes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, you know, they're and uh, Fields is putting the ball in there. But like, you know, some of these catches, man, they're coming down with it. Like that, uh, yeah. you know, it's not easy catches, and they're actually holding on to the ball. And 
you know, everybody talks about how Alabama is receiving cores so elite, but I tell you what, I got something to say about that. You know, I don't know if like those SEC homers have been watching uh, the Buckeyes, but I think we have a pretty elite receiving core. And, you know, we got Julian Fleming coming in next year, not to get ahead of her, but like, you know, he's the number one receiver in the, in the country. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's so great to see that we're getting these blue chip kids coming in here and they're, it's, they're exciting to watch, man. Yeah, it, what, what I see that's different from uh, at receiver that's different from a few years ago is I think we're getting more natural wide. Re- we, we have more natural wide receivers on the roster. I loved yeah. Paris. I loved Paris Campbell, Good point, uh, but he was a converted running back playing receiver, and it took him at least three years to begin making an impact on the field. And and only at the toward the tail end of a, what was a five year career was he was he able to. Uh, were, did drops not become a problem for him? Uh, the one thing that I see that's really cool is you see young guys uh, in Olave, who's only a sophomore, and Wilson, who's only a freshman, uh, making immediate impacts as, as, as young players. And you see older players who struggled earlier in their career because, they, quite frankly, they weren't getting the coaching they needed, starting, yeah, to, uh, starting to make an impact now, starting to blossom and, and really leverage their talent. And I'm talking about Ben Victor. Um, he, he's the first one that comes to mind uh, as a guy who I think uh, Tim had mentioned him as a four-year project. And it did take him quite a while to really emerge as a receiver. But now he's he's a guy that you can, he's making an impact early in games. He's a reliable guy that you, you know you can go to in any situation. So it really is the best of, of both worlds. You have young and veteran talent who are all, you know, bringing their talent to bear and, and be, are highly productive players uh, with this receiving core. And, you know, all, all credit to, uh, to Heartline, of course. But these kids are also putting in the work. It's very, very encouraging. So that leads me into another discussion I wanted to have uh, about Justin Fields. And uh, it, it was assumed at the beginning of the season when Fields signed with Ohio State, which, again, it just blew my mind that there wasn't more enthusiasm, there wasn't more fanfare around uh, the Fields signing with Ohio State. I thought it was absolutely huge. I thought the sky was the limit after he decided to sign with Ohio State. And and uh, the, the local beat writers especially, but even some of the national pundits were very cautious in their assessment of Ohio State. To me, I was like, I don't know, I was very bullish on it. And anyway, one of the assumptions that was made about Fields was that there was no way he could duplicate what Dwayne Haskins could do. He, there was no way he could have the arm talent that Haskins had. And I, I didn't understand why people were just jumping to that conclusion before the kid had taken a single snap at Ohio State. And now I think what we're seeing, we're seeing a quarterback that has every bit the arm talent that Dwayne Haskins does. And he can even do more things uh, as a runner, of course, he adds that dimension. But I saw some, some of those throws he made last night. Now he missed on one deep ball to Alave, but those throws to Mack in the back of the end zone, um, you know, and then uh, also uh, the one to Wilson in the back of the end zone. That those were NFL throws, and he's been making those throws all season long. I think yes, what's, they were. I think what's what's what we're starting to learn about Fields is that he has elite arm talent, and I don't know how you'd want to compare it to to Haskins, but I think it's definitely in the neighborhood, and that's surprising a lot of people. Chad, what are you seeing out of Fields that that really stands out right now? Well, uh, yeah, first of all, like, um, I bet old uh, Kirby Smart might not be feeling too smart about that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. but he's, he's, the kid is, is he's elite, man. It's, yeah. it's great to have because he's got the, you know, one thing where I think he's got the advantage over Haskins, and I'll be honest with you, I think his arm strength and accuracy is as good and will be better. And uh, you know, next year, whatnot, but better than Haskins. But you know, the kid just he, the, what most impresses me the most about him is his poise. You know, like he, he sits yeah. back there, he doesn't you know freak out, and he doesn't like take off the run. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he has the poise to still like even moving around, see the field, and then if he has to take the run, then then he does it. But I mean, I, I love his poise. His arm is you know. It's great, and I mean, you know, he runs like a gazelle. So, <laughs> what is he six three two thirty and runs a four three forty? I mean, come on, wow. <laughs> the kid, 
kid's sick. So Unfair. I, I love I love Fields. Yeah, Matt. How, what 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 comments do you have on Fields? So I was well. First of all, it's like we're all like got sitting under this wonderful, cozy scarlet and gray blanket, <laughs> you know, having a drink in our little koozie, so our hand doesn't get frosted. It's all we're feeling really good right now. Seventy-five and sunny right now in Duck Island. But, the, but the, you know, the thing, everything is very encouraging. And I'm very happy with his progression for each game. But going back to an earlier point, we haven't played anyone on defense mm-hmm. and who, has a, who has a strong defense. Mm-hmm. The thing that, for me, you know, iron makes iron sharp. So you, he, we have not played in a team that has an elite defense that's going to challenge him to where he's pushed mentally to a place where he's got to see where that poise is really can really take can really take the hit and he could be the leader that we at least perceive him to be and use those skills in the same manner when it's you know he he uses a skill the same way when it's 42 a zero than it is 42 41 mm-hmm. and i think that for me like i did the reason i wasn't bullish on fields i was encouraged by him coming to ohio state is because frankly all i saw him his georgia highlights was running the ball yeah they didn't so, ask much of him yeah so i yep. i mean and there's a lot of you know he came in highly touted and a lot of time those guys fizzle out um that's true. Yeah, I, th- I think there's one kid right now who's playing wide receiver who's supposed to be a big arm quarterback or quarterback <laughs> for us. Anyhow, it's Tate Martell, backup wide <laughs> oh, receiver in Miami. <laughs> is that his name? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but but I'm very encouraged because you're right. He does have the poise. I would just be much. I you know the Haskins comparison could be extre- It could be valid, and in in truth, he could do much better as a whole. As Haskins, especially if we go if we win a championship, mm. but until we play a team that really brings it defensively uh, and puts him on the ground a couple times, and we look, he looks to be swimming like or be better better yet situation. Well, is we're behind, and it's the fourth quarter, and he's like, okay, Justin, let's see what you can do. Uh, and and not that I want that to happen, but I, I that's the kind of situation that you want to feel comfortable with your quarterback going into mm-hmm. because you know that he's been tested and you know he's just going to smile at any challenge that comes his way. Yeah, well, we're, they're going to see right. three. They're going to see three good defenses now. These next three, these next three weeks. Well, not three of the next four because they have a bye. But their next three opponents, you're obviously going to see a really good defense out of Michigan State. I, uh, they get Northwestern after Michigan State. I think they're a pretty good defense. Maybe statistically, it's they're not showing yes. up as a good defense, but they do play that zone defense. Very difficult to complete balls down the field against that defense. And then, of course, Wisconsin. I, I personally, I think that defense is probably a little overrated, but it should be a good, solid test for Fields. So we'll know soon enough right. whether uh, whether what we're seeing right. out of Fields is fool's gold or if or if it's something that we can really hang our hats on going forward. Chad, I wanted to go back to the the Kirby Smart. Uh, point you made you know he was in a bit of a tough spot that Ohio State fans can probably relate to because yep. he has a, a quarterback a highly productive quarterback in Fromm who led him to what went within one play of a national championship the year before but won a ton of games has veteran experience um, as Ohio State fans we can relate to that right because we had the JT Barrett uh, huh. Dwayne Haskins yeah. dynamic right one of the things, one of the knocks on Fields that some Ohio State fans had when when Fields came was like, well, he couldn't beat out Jake Fromm at Georgia. I'm like, yeah, so what? I mean, we yeah, we had right. we had Dwayne Haskins on the roster for three years, who was the best quarterback we had, but he didn't play until his his last year, right? I mean, we can we continue to go right. with Barrett when clearly Haskins had started to distinguish himself uh, as the better quarterback. So it's not uncommon that a coach sticks with a veteran guy, a proven guy that he trusts, who's won a lot of games even if maybe he's got a younger guy that's showing more arm talent and has a higher upside, that's not unusual. I think it was just way too early in the game for Kirby to turn to turn to fields. Uh, and, um, you know, w- what can you do? Uh, this is the era of the transfer portal. These kids don't have to wait around for their turn. And uh, just a tough break for Georgia. But, hey, we'll take it. Um, I'll, I'll definitely yeah. take the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering what else we can cover. I, we've covered quite a lot. Uh, there really wasn't I, much else to cover right. from Nebraska. So go ahead, Chad. You got something else you wanted to talk about? See, I would like to just make a comment, like which impressed the hell out of me, man. Even is is the Nebraska fan base 
Yeah. They're oh, yeah. getting their asses kicked, man. And the entire, like, even, like, you know, when they're making Great a couple point. drives, they were in that game the whole time, like, cheering, like, on the, like, the team back and the team up. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it was great to see, like, we're, we're you know, they're getting their, they're getting spanked. Yeah. And they're, they're still out there cheering when, the, uh, you know, Nebraska's got the ball. And, and I feel like, it, it, you know, the wine and cheese crowd is like a, at uh, the shoe sometimes, you know, they would just be like completely <laughs> dis, you know, you know, just muted. And I thought that was very cool, man. Yeah. So I wanted to get Agreed. some props out to the Nebraska Tornhusker fans. That was pretty impressive. All right. Shout Agreed. out to the Nebraska fans. Um, that was pretty impressive. Guys, do we have any other, uh, any other observations from the game uh, last night that we want to mention or... Do we want to maybe move move over to the the national landscape or the Big Ten landscape to see what some other teams did? Yep, let's move along. Okay, so I said before we started <laughs> recording, <laughs> before we started recording, I, I think the big question now is, who is Ohio State's biggest challenger, uh, it, both within the division and then kind of within the conference as a whole? I guess right now, Penn State would would seem to be their biggest challenger. Within the division, unless unless Michigan can figure out, hey, we got these awesome wide receivers, uh, why don't we start getting the ball to these guys? Maybe Michigan can somehow turn it around. But to me, it looks like it might be Penn State in the East is Ohio State's biggest challenger. Would would you guys agree with that, Chad? What do you think? Chad, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, buddy. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, you know. Next week, man, like, you know, Dan Antonio always seems to pull some, some shit out of the, the, the bag of tricks with against Ohio State. You know, mm-hmm. but like, even though I think, you know, like I've already said, the new sheriff of town, I don't think we're going to have the letdown game. But, I, you know, I think Michigan State's got an elite defense. So, and going back to Sloaner's point, where we haven't played anybody, but I think we're going to see, like, you know, if this poise that uh, Fields has is real against an elite defense next week, um, Penn State, I think, is probably, you know, our, our biggest concern. Um, but, you know, obviously going up into, you know, Michigan and the bowl, which is the worst stadium in the fucking country. But, um, you know, I, I, they're going to play as tough. You know, they are. I mean, regardless if, <laughs> if they lose two more games, it's not going to be a fucking walk in the park. I mean... I hope it isn't a total ass beating, but you know, I probably not. But I would probably say Penn State, in my opinion. Um, but you know, next week, and you know, Northwestern though that Friday night game, man, you never know what 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 could happen. That kind of has trap so. game. That kind of has trap game written all over it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, so but, okay, so. so you you would you would agree then? It sounds like you're agreeing with that. Penn State's probably their biggest challenger in the yeah. East. What what do you think, Matt? Well, looking at the schedule, I think we basically ran the, the, the two away games that were the most concerning. Um, you know, Northwestern could be a trap game, but let's be honest. We're going to, you know, if we come off strong against and take out Michigan State, then Northwestern won't be a problem. That shouldn't um, be close. And we're coming off a buy into that game, too, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I the thing that I would say would maybe lightly controversial is that I think Penn State may become our Michigan game from now on meaning the one game that's at the end of the schedule that we get a little nervous about and mm-hmm. we start thinking about, uh-oh, this is the gatekeeper to us and getting a yep. getting it, getting, getting in the playoffs. I just don't think at least this year and probably next year or any, as long as Harbaugh is on there, we're not going to have a problem with them because I just don't think that they're equipped. But uh, to your question, Wisconsin definitely in the West and Penn State in the East. Wisconsin will be an interesting game, but that's tempered. Uh, same with the Penn State game that we're playing at home, so we should we should be able to we should be able to handle business. Okay, uh, uh, you know, too tight. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, I, so, to me, Penn State looked like they 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 it looks like they might actually have a decent quarterback. First of all, any team that's going to challenge Ohio State has to have a good quarterback. I'm sorry, Wisconsin. You you have to have better. Agreed. Than, you have to have better than a noodle noodle armed uh, Opie Taylor running your offense. Sean Clifford against Maryland <laughs> was, was, almost <laughs> went for 398 against Maryland on Friday. He's been pretty good this year. He's completing about 60 well 66 percent of his pa- passes exactly. Nine touchdowns, one interception. Um, if he continues on that pace, he might be a good enough quarterback 
that, that could really challenge the Ohio State defense and, and could, could be a legitimate challenger for Ohio State for the East Division crowd. Certainly, Penn State has been the last three years. So I don't think you're off base saying, uh, Matt, that it's certainly, you know, at least within the recent history and in the short term, Penn State might be Ohio State's biggest rival or their biggest roadblock to an East Division crown. Um, in the West, let's not forget about Iowa, by the way. I actually think Iowa's got a better... Uh, they're that's they're true. very similar uh, to, to Wisconsin in many ways. You know, they have an identity. You know what they're going to do. Not an explosive offense, but I actually think Nate Stanley's a much better quarterback. Uh, and um, I, I would not be surprised if Iowa has a little something to say uh, in the West um, before it's all said and done. Um, but yeah, Penn State looks... I was impressed with what they did at College Park on Friday. I think Maryland has at least an explosive offense. And to completely shut down that offense the way that they did and embarrass Maryland the way that they did, I was impressed by that. I don't think that was just – I don't think that's to be disregarded. Um, I I was unimpressed with Wisconsin against Northwestern, and I actually watched that game closely. We talked about this in the prediction pod on Wednesday – I thought this one would be a very close game. I said, don't be surprised if it's like 17-14 Northwestern going into the fourth quarter. That wasn't quite the score, but it was actually pretty close. And uh, Northwestern actually made a push in the end to, uh, to to cut the margin down, but neither team looked very impressive. I thought the quarterback play for both teams was abysmal. Um, Wisconsin's uh, Jack Cohn finished 113 yards passing, 15 of 24. He threw one pick. He is not a dynamic passer. He, he offers no threat in the passing game. Northwestern knew that. They crowded the box. Jonathan Taylor finished with 119 yards rushing, but that was on 26 carries. Uh, Taylor was not a huge factor in that game. I just don't think you can be a one-trick pony like Wisconsin and come into the shoe and expect to compete with Ohio State unless Ohio State somehow uh, it helps them out with turnovers and penalties and uh, mental mistakes, which we've seen very little of so far. Uh, maybe the one benefit Wisconsin has is where that game falls on the schedule. It's at the end of this four-game gauntlet. High State plays that weird Friday night game the the week before against uh, Northwestern. But but that also gives Ohio State an extra day to prepare for Wisconsin. I don't know, man. I'm looking at Penn State, and I don't want to look too far down the road, but hey, we're fans. We get to look ahead. We're We're not playing in these games. To me, it's Penn State. And in the West, I actually like Iowa to come out of the West. Now, they've got a big test in the big house. Yeah, and I like them because I think they've got a better quarterback in Nate Stanley. Um, it'll be interesting to see, let's see, Iowa and Wisconsin. I want to find out where that game is. In the 9th of November. It's the 9th, and that game is going to be played in at, at Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So, yeah. But I just think the, the advantage Iowa has at quarterback uh, could be the difference in that one. Well, you got two – the next two games, you can either – that opinion will become stronger or weaker because you're playing Michigan at Michigan and then Penn State at home. So that will be interesting. You'll, you'll either be right on or you're going to be backing away from that pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's, that's a tough one. Look at that. So I'm looking at Wisconsin's schedule now. Oof. So Wisconsin goes to Columbus, and then the following week they get Iowa at home. Yikes. And then they go to Nebraska, and we'll see if Nebraska turns it around. That might not be an easy gauntlet for Wisconsin to run. Okay, interesting. Well, it remains to be seen. Clearly, a ton of football left to be played. Ohio State has to stay healthy. We, Matt, you and I were talking a bit about this over text yesterday. You got to keep Justin Fields upright. He took a lot of hits. You know, they really unleashed him in the running game yesterday for the first time. He took a lot of hits. He got popped on a yeah. read option play, right, where he gave the ball up. I think it might have been to Teague or to Dobbins. And the, the safety or the linebacker came up and drilled him as as Fields was, was carrying out the fake. I don't want to see too many more hits like that. He's a big strapping dude. He can take that kind of contact. But, you know, as, as deep and as great as Ohio State has looked so far, if anything happens to Fields, that could radically change their fortunes. Yeah, they're not deep at quarterback. No, no. <laughs> yeah. And I still and I still maintain that Chase Young is another difference maker, that if they lose him for any length of time, he just makes such a difference in the pass rush. And he's when not when he's not out there, they're not getting the same level of of harassment 
and and disturbance in in the in the front uh, without him out there. So they got to keep those guys healthy. Um, so health and still a ton of football left to be played. That's yep. Hey Chad, one other uh, one of shout out to you. Uh, you called a a a very well certainly an interesting result, if not the upset yesterday in the Clemson North Carolina game. That was another game that you called as a tight one. Um, what did you guys see? I know we touched on it a little bit earlier, but what did you guys see out of that Clemson matchup yesterday that stood out? Chad, why don't you go ahead? Well, what stood out to me is that Clemson's not as good as uh, advertised. Um, if it wasn't for Trevor Lawrence yesterday with his feet, then their offense was pretty good. They have a nice pass to Higgins in the end zone there. But, you know, and I mean, I like – I think I'm like the, maybe the one percenter that likes the call that Matt Brown went for two because, like he said, he was going to give them a minute and 16 left. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're at home and, you know, the minimum's on your side. But I, I like the call going for two. But I did too. I mean, seriously, though, the triple option. I mean, come <laughs> on, dude. Like, that was the worst play call ever. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, Dave Ho, my boy Dave is going to like, you know, I mean, they've got a good defense, but I mean, you know, I, I would love, love to play Clemson again. Hmm. Like, I would love to play them. Yeah, careful but, what you uh, wish for. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I mean, I'd like to pound like Dave right in the sand. So. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I would enjoy I mean, that too. You know, <laughs> yeah. And then Notre Dame, like they, you know, I'm done to go to Notre Dame, but, you know, their defense, like they, they had two returns, like a fumble return and a, and a sack for two touchdowns there. But you know, Virginia was like in that game the whole time. And, yeah, uh, I think you know five turnovers, you're not going to win a win a ball game. So. We've seen Clemson you have... know, and Alabama. Who like they, who have they played? Like nobody. Yeah. Auburn. I think. I mean, like I said last week, I think Auburn looks pretty solid. You're right. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But, so you you mentioned Auburn last week or in one of our previous pods, and and actually they did have a strong showing, and that was another team that a lot of the pundits were talking about last night. You know, don't count them out. And uh, yeah, I mean, should they be able to get by Alabama and LSU? There's no reason. Uh, you know, Auburn. Well, then we we'd be talking about Auburn as a playoff contender. The one thing I'll say about Clemson is we've seen them look sluggish. Uh, in the in the in the middle of the season, we saw them a couple years ago. I think they had a home loss to NC State, but then they rebounded and ended up winning the national championship. Um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into the close the close uh, you know result yesterday because we've seen this out of them before. They they have a you know a, a close win or you know an upset loss, and they and, and Sweeney's been able to get them to turn it around. And they're right back in the playoff talk. I mean, the other thing they have going for them is who do they play? I mean, what what yeah. what uh, team remaining on that schedule worries you? I mean, that they don't necessarily have to play all that well to finish no, undefeated. Yeah. Matt, what are you, what are your uh, thoughts on the national landscape? So, I mean, on your you know, you're going to need a little luck sometimes on your way to the wearing the crown. And you know, they got that play call. I, I think it was great going for two. To agree with you guys, that was, it was like the best call they could make, and that they, and fortunately, Clemson was ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they play in such a, I don't even think it's, I think it's not even, you know, you can congratulate them and say they play in a subpar conference. It's like sub subpar, <laughs> and they don't have. There's no other team that you could like. North Carolina was basically the the threat, and they were 26 point favorites. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, they could be a team that likes to coast, and then when it becomes, when you get in the pointy end of the season, then they ratchet it up a bit. They mm-hmm. have the players, they have a good, good they have a strong coach, they have a strong coaching yeah. staff. So maybe that's the way they like the role. So I'm just glad we're, our team isn't doing that because that just that, I just think nothing about them is going to make them sharper when it comes time to the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I'd rather be challenged more and then go into the the uh, conference final and then the conference championship and the playoff championship, you know, have a couple scars on me and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, iron sharp, iron sharpens iron. I think you said earlier, Hey, I just want to uh, remind the listeners you're listening to the South stands, a Buckeye football podcast on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play and SoundCloud. And by the way, you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, 
and Instagram. Uh, you can also direct message us uh, on any of those social platforms. And I also wanted to mention, we just set up a Gmail account for the podcast. You can reach us at thesouthstandsosu at gmail.com with any questions or comments. Again, that's thesouthstandsosu at gmail.com. Hey, fellas, do we have any other comments before we wrap it up? It's been a good effort. We're, we're just over an hour. Good effort. Oh, yeah, good reality, boys. And uh, yep. we wanted to give a shout-out to our boy Jimmy, too. I couldn't join Shout out to Jimmy. All right. All right. (laughs) All right, fellas. Hey, well, listen, thanks so much for making the time, and we'll reconvene midweek. I think it'll probably be around Wednesday uh, to do Michigan State predictions. Rock on. Thanks. All right, fellas. Have a good Sunday. Have a good day, brother. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.